Welcome back to week number two in our series. What on earth am I here for? (laughs) Oh, it's a question we all need to answer. If you haven't answered it already, you need to answer it. And before I begin and move into the sermon, I asked Chuck Proudfit to come and share how God's purpose was revealed in in his life. So Chuck, why don't you come up and share with us? He's going to show us a video and then kind of share what God has been doing in his life over the past 10 years now with that work on purpose, right? Good. All right. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to be here with you. I want to turn on a short video and then I have a few words for you. Over 2,000 years ago, a movement was born. A Jewish rabbi named Jesus, through a brief ministry, an atoning crucifixion, and a triumphant resurrection, gives rise to the Christian church. The marketplace, what today we would call the private sector, was a central platform for Jesus' spiritual impact. Of Jesus' 33 years on earth, he spent three years in a preaching ministry and all the rest of his vocational years in marketplace ministry as a carpenter. 122 of Jesus' 132 public appearances were in a marketplace setting. 45 of Jesus' 52 recorded parables had a marketplace context. The apostles, the leaders of the early church, all came from the marketplace. Of their 40 divine encounters in the book of Acts, 39 came from the marketplace. The apostles earned the favor of the people through a full devotion to their faith, all day, every day, and most of their waking hours were spent at work in the marketplace. The apostles and their burgeoning community of Christ followers were marketplace missionaries. With the marketplace as a strategic launch pad, they began to advance the Great Commission throughout the world. Living in humble circumstances, striving through persecution by the Jews and occupation by the Romans, the early church had to suit up for spiritual battle. These marketplace missionaries overcame the darkness of the world as they carried the armor of God, the belt of truth, the body armor of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. As the centuries have passed, the critical role of the marketplace missionary has been lost within the institution of the church. Our collective impact has diminished in transitioning from a mobilized body of believers to disconnected communities of Christian worship. Marketplace missionaries have become weekend worshipers, adopting the world's secular view of work as off-limits to faith. Correspondingly, society has come to view the church as more and more irrelevant to life. In the United States, weekly church attendance has fallen dramatically with each successive generation over the last 50 years. 65% of the builders attend church services each week, 35% of the boomers, 15% of Gen X, and only 4% of Gen Y, the oldest of whom turned 30 in 2010. We need to rediscover the roots of our faith and revitalize a 21st century expression of the first century church. To use a metaphor, the church has become like a cruise ship 
with too many empty cabins and too much internal focus on comfort and pleasure. We need to shift our approach so that church looks less like a cruise ship and more like a battleship. With a galvanizing mission, a captain submitted to a higher authority, crew members fully equipped to succeed, significant contributions near and far, and recognition for valiant effort. Welcome to At Work On Purpose, a community of marketplace missionaries mobilizing the work world for Christ. So 10 years ago, I was sitting in the audience, just like all of you, going through this series on purpose in life. You know, what on earth am I here for? And I was sitting out there asking the question, what on earth am I working for? Out of that emerged this ministry called At Work on Purpose, which truly was birthed out of Grace Chapel and has been supported by this church just without any bounds for the last 10 years. In fact, beyond just this ministry, we have seen an entire church campus built out with Marketplace Ministry at its core. You know, next Saturday, as you'll see in your programs, there's an annual conference for At Work on Purpose. The day before, on Friday, we have several dozen people who are flying in from across the United States to come to this campus and study it. Did you know that? These are people that are Christian marketplace leaders who are not familiar with the idea that a church campus could actually have business trees, Christian social enterprises integrated into the fabric of the church. This is something that we get to enjoy every day here, but most people don't see anywhere. And that's really the theme of that video. How do we turn weekend worshipers into marketplace missionaries? So I just want to encourage all of you to really think about what it would look like to fully unleash yourself that way. Raise your hand with me if you're somebody who either has a job or is looking for one. <laughs> all right. So the majority of our audience, we are marketplace missionaries Amen. waiting to be released. And I want to challenge and encourage you with that. Now, speaking of that, because we're an unusual, uh, in a good way, offbeat church, we get unusual offbeat requests, including a guy <laughs> who runs a coffee kiosk, which is uh, down Route 42. Jeff will tell you a little bit more about it in a minute. It's called the Mud Hut. But long story short, he is looking to donate it to somebody who would run it as a social enterprise or what we call a business tree so that profit dollars would flow back into ministry work. It's an unusual opportunity. It's going to take the right kind of person, but there might be a marketplace missionary in this audience that has an interest in an opportunity like that. So I'll leave you with that. For those of you who'd like to attend this conference next Saturday, just visit at workonpurpose.org. Thank you. Good job, Chuck. You know, it's, it's really exciting, and I, I sometimes wish, um, and maybe we'll do it sometimes, sometime, um, just take a service. You know, when we're in Africa, I'm back up, when, I, when we're in Africa, the service is like sometimes two and a half hours long. But they talk about all the things that happened that week and who got married and what happened here and what jobs they have and if someone did this. And, and, I, and I think a lot of times it's like, holy mackerel, two and a half hours, I'm starving. Um, but what, what's good about it, though, what's good about it is they talk about that what's going on in the church and, and everybody gets to hear and see everything. I mean, our church is doing so many dynamic things, it would blow your mind. I mean, at work on purpose, the largest marketplace ministry in the country birthed that of Grace Chapel. I mean, the, the exciting things that are going on just in that one area of ministry is amazing. God has truly, truly blessed us. And as Chuck was up here talking, I'm thinking to myself, 
I can't wait for a year or two years or five years when someone gets up and says, hey, ten years ago I was sitting where you're sitting and, and God spoke to my heart. And, and my purpose, my desires were, were drawn out of me. And here's what, here's what God has done in my life. And he men, mountain, mentions that uh, it's called Mountain Mud Coffee. It's a coffee kiosk across McDonald's on 42. They want to give that to self-sustaining enterprises. But what we would like to do, we're, we're not going to take it for self-sustaining enterprises, our company that was started here at Grace Chapel. We want an entrepreneur to take that on themselves. So if anyone here has ever thought to themselves, boy, I'd love to run like a, a, a coffee kiosk or a coffee shop. This is for you. We want to give it to someone, uh, a believer in Jesus Christ, who will run it, like Chuck said, as a business tree. But it could be a good, it could be a good uh, job for someone, a good career for someone, but just not good for the company of self-sustaining enterprises. So if you're interested, uh, let me know. I'll, I'll kind of connect you with Pete West, who's the director of SSE right now, and we'll get that working out. Because you never know. Well, when it came to me, I thought, God put in my heart, and there's someone out there well, this could really change their life. So maybe, maybe that's you. Well, you know, when we talk about, we talk about what, what, what is my purpose in life, it's something, it's something we all need to understand. It's something we all need to grasp. Something we all need to own. So let's kind of jump right in this morning. To understand your purpose or your calling in life, first you need to begin with God because only your creator, only the creator of the universe... Only our creator can tell us what our purpose is. And the cool thing is that our purpose is wrapped up in the very nature of God. Our first purpose and our first calling in life is wrapped up in the very nature of God himself. The Bible tells us that God is love. Now, theologically, don't get all wrapped up. I'm not saying God does not have other attributes. But God is love. The Bible says God is love. God doesn't just have love. God doesn't just show love. God is love. God is love. The only reason that you are able to, to give love and to receive love is because you were created in the image of God. If there is no God, love has no meaning whatsoever. It has no meaning. Take God, take a biblical worldview out of the equation, and love is meaningless. It's because we're created in the image of God that we can give and that we can receive love. The Bible says that everything in the universe was created so that God could express his love. That God could truly express all of his love. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says this. And as I go through each one of these scriptures, I really want you, if you have a, a pen or a paper, write them down. I want you to hear every single word. This, this sermon this morning is the beginning of how God can truly transform your life when you understand these concepts. So in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it tells us this. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Get that down. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. Before God even created the universe, he chose you to love you. He chose you before the creation of the world, before the creation of anything else. He chose you to love you. God created the universe so that he could create the earth, so that he could create mankind, so that he could create you, so that he could love you. And I'm not talking about you as a mass, okay? I'm talking you specifically. Now, some people, that just blows your mind. You, you just can't grasp that concept. 
Maybe you're new or, you know, you never really thought about these things before and you think, you know, God is somewhere out there, you know, in it, from a distance, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Where do you think Jen gets her talent from? You know, um, you know you, that's the way we think sometimes. God's, people say, well, God just started, he seeded everything and just went away somewhere. No, 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 no. Not at all. Not at all. He created the universe so we could create the earth, so we could create humanity, so we could create you, so he could love you. You, 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 individually. All of us together, but individually. That's a, that's a mind-blowing concept. None of this would be here if he didn't love you first. None of it would be here. None of this other stuff would be happening. Stars, all that kind of thing, galaxies, it doesn't matter. wouldn't be here if he didn't love you first. That is how much he loves you. That is how intensely God loves you. It, it, it's hard to understand. The reason the universe exists is because God wanted sons and daughters to love. That's you. That's the reason everything exists, because God loves you that much. He loves you that much. The first purpose, the first reason you were created is to be loved by God. That's important. So the first reason, the first purpose that you were created is to be loved by God. God made you to love you. God made you to love you. You need to own that. You need to truly own that. The first purpose of your life, listen, listen to me. The first purpose of your life is not to serve God. It's not to obey God. It's not to even love God. The first purpose of your life is to be loved by God. To be loved by God. It's not to serve him. It's not to trust him. It's not to obey him. It's not to love him. That's not the first purpose. Those are all extremely important. Okay? We'll get to those. But the first purpose of your life is to be loved by God, to receive that love from God. It is not something you do. This is, this is huge, especially for me, because my love language is acts of service. So when I want to express my love to people, I serve them. I want to do something for them. And I do the same thing with God. I find myself wanting to do, do, do for God. I get caught up in doing for God. My, my first purpose in life is not to do something for God. It's to receive something from God. Isn't that amazing? To see, receive something from God. Not to do all these things, but to get something from God. In Jude chapter 1, in verse 1, we read this. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. He leaves out that he's Jesus' brother, which I think is pretty humble. To those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. So if the first purpose of my life is to be loved by God... The first calling in my life, the very first calling in my life is to enjoy a relationship with God. It's to be, my first purpose is to be loved by God. My first calling is to enjoy a relationship with God. In order to truly understand why I am here on this earth, you have to have a relationship with God. You'll miss out. On everything else, if you don't have that intimate personal relationship with God, that's why he created you. He created you to love you, to have that relationship with you. God sent Christ so that you could have a relationship with him, a, a deep relationship. Because God is love, he wants you to learn to experience that kind of love. He wants each one of us to experience 
in the innermost parts of our lives that kind of love. What kind of love relationship does God want to have with his people? Well, God wants to have a relationship where we are a part of his family. We're a part of God's family. He wants sons and he wants daughters. He wants us to be a part of his family. In Romans chapter 1, in verse 7, it says this. Listen to this. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people or his saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. My first purpose in life is to be loved by God. My first calling in life is to enjoy an intimate relationship with God. You see, God called us to be his saints, to be his, to be his people, his chosen people, to, to be his family. We are God's children. I mean, grasp that concept, if you will. God adopted us into his family so that we can be his children. I want you to think just for a moment, just for a moment, how much you intensely love your children. You know, you know it's, it, again, it's not God looking and saying, look at all those neat little ant-like people down there. They're all scurrying around. That's neat. I did a good job. No, 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 no. Think about how much you intensely love your child. If anything, creature or otherwise, came near your child to harm them, the intensity would be so strong you couldn't even bear it, and you'd do anything in your power to protect your child. That's how much you love your child. And that's how much, and take that times whatever, infinity, and that's how much God loves you. So much more. The intensity that God has. He says we are adopted into his family. Sons and daughters. It's not some generalized kind of God out there somewhere. Kind of likes us. No. And from the beginning of time, God chose us to be in his family. To be his sons. To be his daughters. And he intensely loves his children. My friends, that is the most amazing truth you are ever going to hear in your entire life. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords... The creator of the universe wanted a family, and he wanted you in it. Wow. See, that kid's excited out there. Yeah. yeah, it was like praise. I heard praise going out. No, really, I mean, it's, that's the most amazing thing you're ever going to hear, that God wanted a family, and he wanted you to be a part of his family. Here's what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, how, now I want you to, I want you to gotta concentrate on these words, okay? Everybody's focused. You awake? Poke the person next to you. Look at them and say, are you awake? So that no one can be sleeping. This could change your life. All right. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God, exclamation point. And that is what we are, exclamation point. The reason the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Look at that. God lavished his love on us. We will be called children of God, and that is what we are. That is what we are. We are children of God. We are his people. God has given us so much. The number one purpose in your life, listen, for some of you, who are more like me as you go on your spiritual journey, this one's hard to grasp, but listen to this. Your number one purpose in life is not to accomplish something. It's not to make something of yourself. Man, my father would love me if I just make something of myself. 
It's not, to, it's, not, it's not to accomplish anything. It's not to make something of yourself. It's not to make a lot of money. It's not to get famous. It's not to do whatever. That is not the first purpose of your life. God created you and called you to be loved by him, to experience that love. That's your first purpose in life, to be loved by God. You don't have to accomplish. He's not waiting for you to accomplish anything. He's not waiting for you to do anything. Your first purpose in life is to be loved by God. He loves you, period, done, finished, loves you. Okay? You don't have to do anything for him to love you. He loves you. That's, that's, already, that's already done. And I'm going to tell you something. If, if, you, if you're not as, as this or the other person as that as this other person or whatever else, he has already chosen to love you before the foundation of the world. His love is, is, is eternal. His love is there. You don't have to do anything to receive it. And it doesn't go up and down like, everybody, like, like people in general. If you do this for me, I love you more. If you don't, I love you less. I'm not sure that's love anyway. But God's love doesn't work that way. I love you with that kind of intensity. You don't, your, first, your first purpose in life is not to work your way to me or make me love you somehow. He loves you. It's to, it's to be loved by him and experience that love. Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Listen to it, okay? Listen to this. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, listen, being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints, all of us together, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. This love surpasses knowledge, surpasses all things that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Your brain, my brain, does not have the capacity, if you used 100% of your brain, would not have the capacity to understand, to grasp, to have the knowledge of how much he loves you. Now, we should be seeking after, trying to understand it, but if you could, you will never know until you get a glorified body and you're in heaven with Jesus and you have the mind of Christ, how much, how wide, and how long, and how deep, and how, uh, how much God truly loves each and every one of us. So how wide is God's love? How wide is God's love? As I go through each one, I want you to say, wide enough, okay, for this one. So one, two, three. Yeah, it's wide enough. How wide is God's love? It's wide enough. It, it, God's love is everywhere. There's no place on this earth or anywhere else in all of the universe where God's love is not there. That's how wide God's love is. Now, you may feel lonely sometimes because you're going through a difficult experience. I don't know what's happening in your life. You may feel lonely, but you can know this. God is always with you. Even if you're not aware of it, even if you don't, you don't feel it, if you will, God's love is always there. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God's love is always with you. It, it is enough. It is everywhere at all times. That's how wide his love is. That's how, that's how wide it is. How long is God's love? It's long enough on the count of three. One, two, three. Now let's say it with a little more passion. Ready? How long is God's love? It's long enough. It is long enough to last for eternity. God will never, never, ever, ever, never, ever, never stop loving you. Never. 
You say, well, how about if I know? Doesn't matter. We already talked about that. God will never stop loving you. It is long enough. It lasts for eternity. It goes on forever. How deep is God's love? Well, I'll try it again. I'll try it with my left hand. How deep is God's love? Yeah, it is deep enough. It is, it, is, it is deep enough to handle anything that may go on in your life. It is deep enough to handle whatever you might be facing, whatever troubles you might be facing, no matter what pain is in your life, no matter what hurt is in your life, no matter what trouble is in your life, God's love is even deeper. It is deeper. And you may say to yourself right now, you, you don't understand, I've hit rock bottom. I'm in the pit of, I'm in the pit of despair. I am at the lowest point where I've ever been in my life. Let me tell you something. God's love is deeper and lower. It, is, it, 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 it swoops down and picks you up. God's love is deeper than anything you can think of. God's love, you, you, God's love is so powerful, you cannot be in a pit so low that God cannot reach down and would help you and pull you out of that pit. His love is deeper than anything we could ever go through physically, emotionally, or spiritually. He is always there. His love is so intense, there's nothing that anyone can do to you to knock you down where he's not going to help you back up. His love is so deep. His love is so intense. He will help you out of any pit you find yourself in. There's nothing that is more powerful on this planet than God's love. God's love is that deep. How high is God's love? It is high enough. It is high enough. It is high enough to help me overcome my sin. God's love is high enough that it overcomes my sin. You say, boy, you don't understand. We've talked about this in the last couple of weeks, but still some people may be here thinking, you don't understand the sin that is in my life. Let me tell you something. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, God is able to overcome your faults, your failures, your sin, your rebellion. It doesn't matter. You know, it's amazing to me that people say, you don't understand. I walk so far away from God. You're like, you're walking away from God and everything. But here's the thing. You turn around, he's right there. Right? Because that's what humans think. Humans think to themselves, because we're all so important, that you walk so far away from God. But the problem is, God's love is so intense, He never walked away from you. Remember I said in the very beginning? It's everywhere. It's all the time. You may walk away from God. You may rebel against God. You may question God. But God never questions you. You may stop at some point getting frustrated and angry, but you know what? All you need to do is turn around and God's like right there. You can't walk. You can try to walk away from God, but never does God walk away from you. All you need to do is turn around and ask him for forgiveness. Right there because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. God offers forgiveness for whatever we've been through, whatever we've done, because his love is that intense. There's nothing anyone can do that can thwart God's will in their lives when it comes to him loving you. Not a thing. Nothing anyone can do. And I think that's amazing. Your life would be totally, completely, and utterly transformed if you understood that to the best of your ability and you applied it to your life, what I just talked about. It would be totally transformed. Now, let me give you three things that will radically change your life, radically, 
if you accept God's first call and God's first purpose in your life, that I am loved unconditionally, I am loved deeply, totally, and eternally by God. If you, if you would own that in your life, three things, there's more than three, but I'm going to say three things this morning that would radically transform your life. Number one, I would feel accepted rather than ashamed. If I would feel accepted rather than ashamed. That one alone can change your life. It can change your life. So many people, so many people have walked away from God or reject God or don't want to be because they feel ashamed. They feel ashamed. They, 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 feel, they feel guilty. They feel condemned. They feel judged. They feel like they're, they're going to be criticized. They think, well, well, God is perfect and I'm not so... And if I, if I come, if I, if I get into a relationship, God, I'm going to feel really guilty about what I've done. I'm going to feel all this, all, I'm going to feel condemned and, and I'm going to feel ashamed and, and I'm going to feel criticized and I'm going to feel judged. That's what they think. But the reality is that's not true. That is not true. If you have what I just described, if you understood the love of God, you would feel acceptance and you would not feel ashamed. What did Jesus say? Something like, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I came to save the world. I think it was Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. It says something like, therefore, there is no what? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. these, These are just facts. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In Romans chapter 5, in verse 1, it says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I have been justified by a God who intensely loves me. And I have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what justified means? Just as if I'd never sinned, right? So so God has justified me. God has adopted me into his family. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What that means is when, when I've been justified is that God has totally and completely and unconditionally loved me because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. I have peace. I can, I can, I can, God loves me so much. I have peace with God. I have peace with God through Christ. I don't know what we're judged and condemned and all Jesus said, I didn't come to the world to condemn it. I came into the world to save it. So, so let me tell you why this, is so, this one is so important. And this touches every single person in this room. If you're younger, wake up, okay? Why is it so important that you believe? Why is it so important that you believe that, that, that God loves you? That God wants you to receive his love? Why is this so, so important? Because it sets you and I, it sets us free from this addiction that we have this intense addiction that we have for approval some of you live your entire lives consumed with the approval of other people you just want their approval some people go through their lives you're going through it right now you live your life to try to get approval from that person whoever it is you just want their approval you just want the crumbs off the table just tell me i'm i'm good just tell me give me some approval and you know here's the sad part of that they're not going to 
You've, you've lived your entire life trying to get the approval of that person. And the sad reality is you're not going to get it. But when you understand, when you truly understand that God loves you unconditionally, you realize something. You realize, hmm, I don't need the approval of other people. And when you realize you don't need the approval of all those people around you, it sets you free, brother. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. There you go. When you realize God loves me unconditionally, eternally, totally and completely, you don't have to worry about what everybody else thinks of you. You're not consumed if that person is going to give you the scraps off the table. And you just hear those, those, those words, I love you, or I, I'm proud of you, or whatever else. You've been waiting your whole life, and I'm telling you, for most of you, you're not going to hear it. You're going to let that and, uh, totally destroy your life? You're going to let that be the pinnacle of your life? Let me tell you something. God loves you unconditionally. God loves you totally, completely, and eternally. If I am loved by God and my desire as a person is to conform to the image of Jesus Christ each and every day, I don't need anyone else's approval. I don't need it. It's nice to receive approval from other people, but I don't need it. I don't need it to have my life change. When you know God loves you, criticism doesn't bother you as much anymore. It really doesn't. You know that God loves you. And you know you're trying to be like Jesus as best you can. And when you, do, when you do mess up a little bit, when you do mess up a lot, you go before the Father, you go before, and Jesus is there in your defense. If I confess my sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God loves you. It helps you overcome the critics. They don't bother you anymore. Let me tell you something. If God, likes, if God loves me and I like me, what do I care what you think? Right? You say to yourself, if God loves me, and I love me, and I, I even like me, what do I care what everybody else thinks? Some of you junior hires and high schoolers and younger are consumed with what other people, you, 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 you act, you talk, you live, you dress for the approval of others. You live your life that way. What do you care what anyone else thinks if God loves you? If God loves you, it doesn't even matter. Whether they like you or not is totally irrelevant to your happiness, to your peace, to your joy in life because you're not dependent on their love. See, when you're dependent on someone else's love and you're dependent on someone else's approval, they control your entire life. You cannot have joy, peace, and contempt because someone else is controlling your life. But listen to this. When I know my first purpose in life is to be loved by God, I don't need anybody else's approval. Is that not a freeing experience to know that you're loved by God so much that what everybody else thinks, my goodness, what can man do to me? What can they do to me? I know my Savior. I know my Lord. I know my God. And that's all that matters. I live my life in conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. And if you don't like it, that's not my problem. Romans chapter 8, verses 33 and 34. I want you to listen to these words again. I want you to listen listen to this. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Are you getting that? Circle that in your Bible, write down, whatever, write that verse down. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? Who can condemn you? 
Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I love this truth. It is God who just, God justified me. God called me. God adopted me. Who is it then in this world that can condemn me? No one. No one. I have freedom in Christ. I am his. He loves me. He, let me tell you something. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you and you and you. I wish I could point to every person and look you right in the face. He loves you. You say, boy, you're telling you're talking right to me this morning. I am. Every one of you. Stare you right in the eye. He loves you. He loves you. Do not allow anyone else to take away from you what God has given you. It says, who is it that condemns? No one can condemn you. Jesus Christ, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. That's amazing. He sent Jesus so that when we do make mistakes, no one can condemn you. You ask for forgiveness, and guess what? You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You are forgiven. Because we have Jesus Christ in our lives, and God loves us that much. When I experience the unconditional love of God on a daily, moment-by-moment basis, when I understand God's love and I experience it, number two, listen to this, I have peace in pain I don't understand. I have peace in pain that I don't understand. Listen, you're going to have things in your life that are going to happen that you're not going to get. You're going to have times in your life where you say to God, God, why? Why, why is this happening to me? You're going to have times in your life where you look around the world and you say to yourself, this is, this is ridiculous. I don't understand. I don't understand why this is happening. I just, I don't, I just don't get it. Well, let me say up front first, God, God does not owe you or me an explanation for anything he chooses to allow to happen. But I, I do want, to, I want you to realize something. I want, you to, I want you to understand this. Not everything that happens on this earth is God's will. God hates evil. And there's a lot of evil things that happen in this world that God does not bring on. God is not the author of sin. And things happen in this world because you say, well, well, if there's a God, then why do all these things happen? Because we live in a fallen world. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to remedy the problem. And we can spend eternity with him. But things happen in this world that are evil. And God is not the author of evil. God did not usher these things into existence. There are a lot of things in life that we're not going to understand losses that we're not going to understand, hurts that we're not going to understand, rejection that we're not going to understand, problems that we're not going to understand. But here's the thing. You don't have to understand them to have peace. In fact, explanations don't bring peace. If I lost someone very close to me, if I lost someone, the people that are closest to me, you could all explain to me why they died and it would bring me no peace whatsoever. You can give me an explanation. Well, their heart and blah, 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 and then this, that, and the other thing. Explanation does not bring peace. Explanation does not bring peace. 
What you need is not explanation. What you need is presence. You need the presence of God in your life. The, God, the Bible calls it the peace that passes all understanding. It's God's presence in your life. Some of you have gone through some things in your life that blow my mind, and God has given you what Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7 says this. It says he's given you this peace, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I've seen some of you go through the most incredible circumstances, and I think to myself, God, could I handle it like they do? And his response to me is, yeah. Even though you don't understand it, yes. It's a peace that passes all understanding. I have confidence in myself in going through tragedies and difficulties because I've seen you do it. I've seen the truth. I've seen I've seen many of you walk through the darkest days of your life in the most incredible losses of your life and God gave you a peace that passes all understanding. And that gives me confidence to know that God loves me so much that he'll give me that same peace when it's my time, when I have to go through something like many of you have gone through. So what is the peace that passes all understanding? It's when you feel at peace even though you don't have all the answers. You have peace in your heart even though you don't have all the answers. But you know what? Here's what I do have. Here's what I do know. I know that God is good and that God loves me. I I know that God wants what's best for my life. I know that I can trust God even when I don't understand it all, when I don't have it all worked out. I know that I can trust him with my life. That's the peace that passes all understanding. And I have it because I know I am loved by God. When I understand I'm loved by God, I have a peace that passes all understanding. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to have all the wisdom. I don't have to have all the knowledge. I just need to know that God loves me. God lo- God's love does not exempt us. I, sometimes I wish it did, but it doesn't exempt us from pain in life. As a matter of fact, Christians will go through the same struggles and problems and difficulties as non-Christians do. The only difference is that we have a peace. God gives a peace that passes all understanding. I know that God's going to be with me when my life is completely falling apart. I know that God loves me and will sustain me and give me peace when my life is going to pieces. Remember Romans 8.28? Remember what it said? And we know that in all things, good, bad, all of those things, struggles, trials, difficulties, attacks, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So he gives me peace through it. Not only that, but he turns it upside down and uses it for my good. Why? Because I have been loved by God. The third thing that happens and lasts when we know that we are loved by God is this. I gain and you gain a courage to take risks. We gain, this, we gain this incredible courage in our hearts to take risks. When somebody believes in you, you are capable of accomplishing things you could never accomplish on your own just because they believed in you. Just because someone who loved you unconditionally and someone who's close to you loves you, you are capable of accomplishing things you cannot accomplish on your own because they love you. It gives you additional energy. It gives you additional strength. There are four four words in the the English language that that are so powerful. You know what they are? You can do it. 
When someone who loves you looks you in the face and you're stressed out on stage because you're about to sing something or you're going to play a game for the first time, you're sick to your stomach or, or you're going to try to do something or you're going to take a test or whatever or whatever the case in, in your job, you're going to go before a whole bunch of people and give a presentation and someone who loves you looks at you and says, you can do it. It gives you a power and an energy beyond what you're personally capable of doing on your own. Imagine now that God says to you, you can do it. I love you. I believe in you more than you believe in me. And my friend, my daughter, my son, you can do it. Listen to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8. It reminds us of this. There is no fear in love because perfect love drives out fear. Let me tell you something. When love comes in the front door, fear goes out the back door. When God's love, when love, when perfect love comes in the front door, when I receive God's love, when love comes in the front door, fear goes out the back door. That's the story, honestly, of my life. My life is a tale of two lives, basically. A life I lived in fear before I experienced the love of God. I lived a life of fear. I don't want to try that. I'm not going to try this. I don't want to do that. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if that? What if this? What if that? What are these people going to think? And then something happened that I, a calling and a, and a drive and a passion through his power because I was adopted into his family. I have a new passion, a new drive in my life. When God adopted me into his family, he told me, I love you. I love you. And what can anyone do to you? Live your life. When, fe- when, when love comes in the front door, fear goes out the back door and you start to live the life you were called to live. It's awesome. It's incredible. It is absolutely amazing to be adopted into God's family and to know that he loves you First and foremost, he loves you. Your life will be totally and utterly transformed if you just grasp these concepts. Your first purpose in life is to be loved by God. Your first calling in life, your very first calling in life is to enjoy a relationship with God. When you understand those concepts, when you understand those truths, your lives will be transformed. You will not be the same person as you are today. Let's bow our heads. Father God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. Thank you, Lord, for each person here. And I pray, dear God, that you would truly have us own, have us understand to the best of our ability that you love us above and beyond everything else. You love us. And God, if there's anyone here this morning who does not have in their hearts your son, Jesus Christ, living in their hearts, they've never received you, I pray they would do that this morning. They would recognize, Lord, they are separated from you because of sin, but because of your intense love, you sent Jesus Christ into the world to die on a cross for their sins. And now they can have peace with you. They can be in a relationship with you. They can know the first purpose of their existence, to be loved by you. You love them all so much, Lord God. I pray they would reach out their hand to you this morning and take hold of it and own that truth in their lives and begin a new life in you. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.